0: Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. This is a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe, culminating at the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James in the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. Each week I interview a pilgrim about their journey, both physically and spiritually. It was the American writer Frank Herbert Jr. who said, without new experiences, something inside us sleeps. The sleeper must awaken. Well, I have a story to tell about my next guest. Bill and Jennifer Bennett and I were driving through San Anton by the ruins in April this year. We were in Spain to shoot the video for somewhere along the way, the Camino song, and we were scouting locations. We drove up to Castro and back down again, and Bill had a habit of sort of looping around until he'd made his mind up. He didn't want to shoot in a certain place. And as we entered St. Anton for the second time, he slowed right down and wound down the window of the passenger side of the car. He just sort of leaned forward and beckoned to a young woman walking along to come to the window. Now, imagine I'm in the passenger seat, so I'm leaning back and Bill's talking past me through my window. And he said to the young pilgrim, would you like a lift? And the pilgrim said yes and burst into tears. Bill sensed something. Remember, this is the man who last year released a movie called PGS, Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And he's just released a book of the film, by the way. So I jumped out and grabbed the pilgrim's backpack, threw it in the car, and we were on our way. That pilgrim was Terry. She's on the line from the UK. (laughs) Pilgrim, welcome. Hi, thank you. Well, we, po- we crossed paths as a result of Bill's intuition. It was a great experience for all of us and had a, ve- a real profound impact on me. What do you remember of that day?
1: Um, well, just as you were talking about how we actually met, you kind of brought me to tears again. That was one of the most intense moments of my of my Camino that I was doing. Why? And um, it was it was my um, it was because I had a really really that was the crux of I was gonna give up that day I think. A Couple minutes before I met you guys, I was just you know thinking about looking for flights back home, because um, <laughs> although we met on a really sunny day, uh, you might remember that that morning there was a bit of a snow snowstorm. Um, I was walking between hornillos and juntanas. And um, you know it was mid it was what, what like mid April April 11th or something or 10th, and you wouldn't be expecting a blizzard in the middle of Spain. But uh, what happened there was, um, I was wearing sandals and you know, and we got a blizzard and um, I just didn't I couldn't handle the cold. I left at 7 a.m. Got to us, uh through like a detour because somebody changed up the signage so we actually had a six kilometer detour myself and 20 other pilgrims and um it was that point where i was supposed to stay in hontanas or like my gut feeling was telling me to stay there after the 16 kilometers in the snow but i kept walking because somebody else told me i should and i was like don't really want to but i will and then that was the moment from from then on until san Antonio, i was really regretting what i did and that was, I guess, me not listening to my gut feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So I was just, you know, I was bro- I was physically broken. I was cold to the bone and I was just shattered. And I was really, really suffering. So when you guys, you know, drove by, it was like a big rock just fell from my heart. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It was one of those moments where I was just like, wow, okay.
0: Well we were <laughs> we were always going to stop for lunch in Castro Jerez and we sort of went up to the town and as I said in the introduction Bill then kind of turned around and went back. And being somebody, yeah. a soul who is is guided by intuition, it was we would it was always going to happen that we were wandering past just as you needed that lift. And then we went, we picked you up, we went into Castrojeras, and we had a lovely lunch together. And I remember looking across at you at the table and thinking, boy, you, you really are exhausted. But you, you eventually, you stayed a couple of days there, didn't you? And, and kind of regathered and, and, and ended up pushing on and finishing.
1: I did, yeah. I stayed an extra day. Um, I parted from my group that was kind of walking with me. And I just my own from then on, um, you know, <laughs> making sure that I'm doing it the way I want to do it. Yeah. But yeah, it was that moment. That was, that was the hardest day of the whole Camino.
0: And possibly my entire year. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back a bit. How did you hear about the Camino mm-hmm. de Santiago? Um,
1: well, I first I heard about it when I was in high school, actually. There was a really, really religious girl in my high school called uh, Diana. And she mentioned it when I was, like, 15, and me being the, you know, teenage, rebellious, kind of like, oh, you know, like she's crazy, like, why would you walk 500 miles? And then um, it came back when my mother, three years ago, told me to go on the Camino for the first time. And it was actually her dream to go it, but she, you know, I finished my undergraduate degree, I came back home for a few months, and um, I, you know, parents and children... After uni, don't really get along too well <laughs> when they move back in. So she told she told me to leave the house and go lose some weight to walk to, and to walk to Santiago. So I did. Um, three weeks after she told me, I was already on the plane. <laughs> so that was a very like spontaneous kind of you know very quick like no kind of plan decision.
0: Well, so when was um, that? When was so that?
1: That's actually my first. Uh, 2016.
0: Okay, so this is your second Camino, 2018.
1: Yes.
0: And was that you doing it because you wanted so, to do it this um, time?
1: Uh, Yeah. So <laughs> the first time I did it, I, you know, I wasn't ready on a, I guess, on a spiritual level, I would say, because it wasn't my, you know, my heart didn't tell me to do it. Um, I was walking with someone um, because I was kind of, you know worried about a female solo traveler so i called up there's there's just one guy from my high school that i knew didn't have a job i was like hey come with me uh help me out let's do this so we went together and i and just ended up me following him at his own pace which was you know 30k a day sometimes and uh for me that was really too fast like physically i handled it towards the end but i just didn't enjoy it as much as i you know could have and um, I kept on thinking about the Camino every single day for the next two years. Like, I had the worst case of the Camino blues. It was <laughs> it was crazy. So um, once I finished my master's, I was like, you know what? I just got to book a ticket. Got to go, you know? <laughs> Camino's calling me back home. So yeah. that's what I did.
0: So, so let me ask you that question then, Terry. Are you a spiritual person?
1: Mm-hmm um i'm i wouldn't say religious in a sense that i'm following any certain type of you know uh thing but yeah like i'm there i know there's something you know like there's there's something going on i i wouldn't i know i don't know how to describe it i just um i'm not i'm definitely not atheist but i'm more of a Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to say it. I'm not really sure. Yeah, how to that's say okay. It, but um, I appreciate I appreciate others and the faith.
0: Yeah. and stuff. when you when you're on the Camino, did you realize that you were going to or were currently experiencing something special? So that very first time around, uh, back in 2016, did you realize, hey, this is really something amazing?
1: I think I only realized it. That- In my second one or, you know, towards the end of the first one or right after the first one. Um, Yeah, I didn't really I didn't I wasn't really ready in my first one and I didn't really notice. But the second one was definitely way more spiritual than the first one. I think um, I heard people say that there's three Caminos, one for the body, one for the spirit. And one for the heart or something like that. (laughs) So um, my first one was way more physical, I think.
0: Well, you sent uh, Bill and Jennifer and I a card when you finished. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful, arrived in the mail here. And I could tell that it had changed you. And I know that it had a lot to do with the people that you eventually met. So tell us about your Camino family.
1: My Camino family is actually... um, well, I, I think I gathered more Camino families over the time because, as you may know, I, I took my time. I, uh, <laughs> I took a, I took 55 days to complete the Camino from Pamplona to San John, I mean, Santiago. So, um, you know, you know how every everybody usually walks at their quick pace and they finish between 30 to 35 days kind of thing. I've kind of been with a few groups, not just one. Um, the most, I guess, intense family, well, the family I finished into Santiago with, um, I just met them a couple of days prior, actually, just, just in Saria. Um There was this one girl called, called Marcia who I've met already in Garion de los Condes, and we kind of kept on bumping into each other, like, you know, every week. Because she would slow down and then I would slow down and then like you know one else would speed up. So we've kind of been like Camino sisters, yeah. which was really nice, but we only really got to know each other um near <clears throat> yeah, near Saria, right before Saria actually. And um so that was like one of the best, I guess, interactions. But I have been met uh, I've been meeting and keeping in touch with a
0: lot of people as well. Which was good. Yeah, it is good. And it's often said a pilgrim's Camino begins when they get home. How has it all been for mm-hmm. you post-Camino, Terry? Uh,
1: Post-Camino, uh, my life changed. So I got home end of May. Um, I've had three weeks, then I went back to the University of Toronto. Uh, I went back to the University of Toronto to graduate. I picked up my master's degree Um, I finished up everything in Canada and just, you know, um, without even having a job organized, I just decided to move to Europe and, uh, moved out of my Toronto apartment, came back here and just started looking for jobs because, you know, it's one of those things I was just like at the end of my education. Now I'm at the end of my Camino and I better get, you know, something organized with my life. So I, um, I found a job in the UK. I'm working for the last six or seven weeks as an environmental consultant with trees specifically, so that's been really good. Um I like what I'm doing because I get to be outside uh <laughs> kind of like on the Camino, except I wear steel toe boots and I wear a yellow jacket <laughs> and
0: I carry oh, on a huh. notebook. But it's been pretty good. <laughs> So, So, but, but my listeners might be interested. You talk about Toronto, but where were you actually educated? Mm-hmm. Like, where did you go to school?
1: Well, right. My mom's Czech. My dad is Swiss. I was born in Toronto, uh, so I basically lived in all of these three places. Um, I did a high school in Spain with a British school, and I did um, <laughs> primary education in the Czech Republic, I did some years in Switzerland and some years in Canada, so I moved around a lot. And then I went back to Canada for my university education.
0: And so now you're. So in. So I
1: kind of have this. Um, now I'm in the UK.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now you're in the UK, and you did it. You, you did your masters and and on in forestry. What attracted you to that yes. line of work? Yes. Uh-
1: <laughs> I wanted to be a scientist, but I realized that, you know, math, physics, and chemistry are too difficult. And then I went into biology, and I just didn't want to spend 10 hours a day sitting in a lab looking into a microscope. So forestry was ideal because you can spend some time outside and talk to people and stuff. So that's it. Also, the the type of people that do forestry is very different. They're very chill. You know, they're just, they take life as it comes kind of thing.
0: Uh, so well, I was very much inspired. Yeah, well, you you kind that. of got a pilgrim sensibility in many respects because you're somebody who loves to get outdoors and, and loves to find mm-hmm. space, Um, and that must be very important but for you still t- today, yeah. It is, it is. I'm really happy because today is my first
1: surveying trip that I'm doing with my new job. So <laughs> we're out surveying trees, which is great.
0: Yeah. And you're in Birmingham?
1: I've been sitting in the office for the last six weeks. Uh uh no no no. I'm based in Cardiff, but right now I'm in Newcastle up north.
0: Oh lovely. Okay, cool. Uh, I, it's, a, I took a flight, yeah. What do you what or what did you make of the history of the Camino and why do you think the history of the Camino is so important? Um I've been
1: I've been looking into Okay, so like I said, how I haven't done any research on the Camino, I haven't really done too much research on the whole, like, Christianity aspect of the Camino. Because I've been hearing over and over again that it's been a very, like, uh, it's been a route traveled many times even before, before Christ, uh, before you know, Christianity. Yeah. So um, I kind of took in the whole, like, spiritual and, like, following the sun to the end of the world kind of thing um, as, as the point of interest to me, kind of, you know, um, I under- <laughs> can you, could you repeat that question? Just, just no, so no. I tell you. Y- you answered finger. it. Okay?
0: You answered it perfectly because I said, what did you okay. make of the history of the Camino? Why do you think it's so important? And mm-hmm. you said you pretty much followed the sun to the end of the earth. That's right. Because you walked to Finisterre, didn't you?
1: Um, well, this time I took a bus. I have to admit, my ankles started oh. hurting, so I took a bus. Yeah. But I walked it two years ago. Um, yeah, no, so I was, going, I was going to walk it. I was, um, because I've only, you know, I walked the whole thing except for that car ride with you guys and the train from Urgo Ranero to Leon. And then I said, you know, I should just walk to Finisterre and then to, to Muxia And then um, I had to go home because my mom was like, Terry, you're spending too much time in Spain. You need to come back. Stop wasting your time and my money. So I was like, okay, I'll take a train and, um, <laughs> or a bus. But I had a really good time because Finisterre—it's on itself was like another four-day adventure. And it was really good. Well, you and I s- got to meet all I – met, I met a lot of pilgrims I met along the way, but I haven't seen for a while again. So that was really nice.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the world. Were you someone who did a lot of preparation before you went? Were you a spreadsheet pilgrim? Uh, No. (laughs) no, (laughs) Um,
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) I haven't heard that term before. Um, No, no, no. I really just, uh, I don't think, no, absolutely not. I was like, I'll get there one way ticket to Spain. Um, That's actually a prime example of my Camino this year. I went to Barcelona. I didn't even realize it was Christmas week the week after. I went to Barcelona. I partied like a rock star in Barcelona. And then uh, I went to the train on Sunday, and they said, oh, it's Semana Santa. It's €95 for a train, and there's only one ticket left. Um, So I was like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) So I didn't even consider anything. I just just wanted to go, so I went. So I'm definitely not a spreadsheet pilgrim or person at all. Um, I only do spreadsheets in science.
0: <laughs> so tell us about actually arriving in Santiago de Compostela. Um, you'd had, as you said, um, some good days and some pretty bad days. You must have been just so relieved uh-huh. and, and delighted and excited to arrive in Santiago.
1: Yes, it was it was really funny. So um my Camino fam for that section of the Camino, um, very, very nice people who I'm still in touch with. We um we walked to Montegozo. That was that's a hill five kilometers right before Santiago. And they have this huge kind of like I think it's a campus, a military campus, but they converted into an albergue. Yeah. And um, we stayed there and had a really good night. Um, There's five of us in a room and it was really fun. (laughs) Just had a really great time. And then we had to go get dinner. Uh, And we all walked all the way to Santiago. (laughs) Well, the night
0: before you... (laughs) So we kind of got there the night before. Oh, really? That's funny. (laughs) No one has ever said that to me before. I know, but there was nothing to eat. So you know that
1: we walked to this big, colorful red sign that says Santiago as you're walking just into town? And there was a couple of restaurants on this, on the road there. So we just had one, um, had a, had a good meal. And then we walked, uh, we took, well, I took a cab back with my other friend. Uh, but yeah, (laughs) so we kind of got there the day before. Um, but yeah, the actual walking into the cathedral, uh, into the plaza by the cathedral was very, very emotional. And, um, it was the bagpipes that was the archway again, down the stairs. Yeah. And that was one of the best feelings. It was, I, I actually cried as well. <laughs> I did. Because, um, you know, it was it was just like, you take two months of experiences and it just ends up like that, you know? And that's the result of every struggle, of every, of every good moment, of every step you take it is the result in feeling that you're just there and, like, your heart's just you know, flushing and I don't know. It's just, it's, it's it's a beautiful feeling. It, and that's definitely a reason I would do the Camino again.
0: <laughs> but it's kind of, sometimes people have said to me, they, they felt an overwhelming sadness too.
1: Um, because it ends maybe. Yeah. Maybe because, and I, I can't speak for other people, but for me, it was one of those, you know, I did it like it's, it's amazing. Like I've met all these people, and like being grateful for what I have, right? So yeah, I wasn't sad. I was happy. I was really happy.
0: Well, that's interesting that you should say being grateful for for what you have, and because my next question is, what do you think the Camino is trying to tell us?
1: I think, well, I can't I can't speak for other pilgrims, but I know that for me, that Camino is always there. And regardless of, you know, (laughs) that's a difficult question to, to say, because everybody has their own interpretation of it, doesn't it? Um, The Camino is one of those, it's one of those things that you just, it's always there in your heart, you know? Yeah. Once you go to it. Yeah. And it's always there. It's, it's basically a home. For people like at least like myself, it's camino, the camino is home, and that's like where I feel most comfortable. It is, although there are physical struggles and, and you know emotional struggles. It's one of those places where um, it'll always be there.
0: You began your journey. And if you
1: have nowhere else to go, you just go
0: back to the <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, look, I know that last week I spoke to Christine Lockhart, mm-hmm. and she said that she knows it's always there, the camino, and it's most comforting to know. That it's always there uh, that she can go back and refresh and, and rekindle that fire if if need, if need be. but you you began your journey alone. Terry, would you recommend walking alone to people? I would because I've
1: done the first one with somebody that I came with and the second one on my own, I really had I, I had a really good time on the second one <clears throat> alone because um, there were no compromises, right? It was only me making decisions, and that's really important to live the Camino the way you want to live it. Uh, Like I said before, every time I did kind of, you know, follow with someone or just, you know, listen listen to what people wanted me to do, kind of, hey, come with us, I got a really bad gut feeling. I still did it, and then something bad happened, so I was like, no, I got to go on my own. I got to do it my way. Um, and you still meet amazing people and you still have amazing experiences. It's just, you know, um, I feel that that Camino for me wasn't, wasn't to be shared. It was to be, you know, absorbed and and lived on my own, but with others at the same time, but on my own terms, I would say, did you, I would definitely recommend going alone, even if (laughs) you, yes,
0: no, 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 I'm sorry. I cut you off but did you suffer blisters and how did you cope with all the usual Camino ailments?
1: Right. Um, blisters. So apart from uh, a bit of frostbite the, from the day that I met you uh, earlier that morning, um, I still have a bit, I actually didn't have one single blister I bought. So basically in the beginning I had really expensive morel leather shoes. You know, I just had them from, I actually bought them right after my first Camino for my second one, and they weren't working out. So after, like, four days of walking, I said, I can't do this. I walked into a shoe store, and I said, I need sandals, and I got sandals from this lady. She said, everybody who buys these walks into Santiago happily. So I bought this pair of Merchiva sandals. And you know what? I had zero blisters. I had amazingly tanned feet. I had tan lines. (laughs) (laughs) On my feet, it was beautiful. There's photos up there somewhere. I can send you them later. But I didn't have any blisters, so I was I was good on that respect. I was absolutely brilliant. Um, so I would definitely do it again in sandals, and I recommend it to everyone. Even like even walking down uh, from Cruceferro, you know, oh, like yeah. down Aspo. yeah. And those places, like they were good. They were, like my feet were fine. And the sandals were, you know, like, you got to be careful with your ankles, but it wasn't, like, impossible to do.
0: What about sleep? How did you go sleeping in albergues?
1: I love it. Um, I just, I slept in a hotel last night, and I couldn't sleep at all. And I was like, oh, if I were in an albergue, I would sleep probably (laughs) differently. Um, You get used to it, you know. Like, I slept in about 40 or 50 albergues. And every time I would wake up, like, having slept enough, maybe it was because of the tiredness as well. Yeah. But yeah. Um, hostels are definitely, like, it's definitely one of those things. You've got to have your earplugs. You can't get by without earplugs, obviously. That's one of the main things. But other than that, you know, and bring a sleeping bag. But um, I think, like, because the whole, everyone that's in there went through the same thing that day or, you know, for the last couple of days, like you all understand each other and you just, you know, either there's people that are up for fun or they're not <laughs> Um if, for, you know, for dinner and some drinks after, and then you go to bed to sleep for the next day. I mean, yeah, Am I, 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 lo- I love albergues.
0: They, y- they're, they're good. Yeah, so do I. And, and, and it's, it's, it's weird and, and, and crazy that, of people respect that curfew in the evening. So 10 o'clock, it's like quiet. It's like Mm cool. It's like quiet. But in the morning, it's like, I'll I'll just wake up whenever the heck I want and make whatever noise I want, turn on the lights whenever I want, you know, whatever it does. It's amazing that everybody's so respectful at 10 o'clock. But in the morning, it's just a free for all, yeah. and and really, if you if everyone's rustling in their oh, plastic yeah.
1: bags at five a.m. I know.
0: <laughs> and their alarms That's going off,
1: it, earplugs are a really good thing. I actually bought. I went to the pharmacy and I bought a pair of um, in, like I guess industrial safety earplugs. They're bright orange, and those are earplugs used by people working in sawmills and you know just construction sites. So you don't hear a thing. I had them on and I slept through. I woke up at 8.05 when everybody was gone. This one woman had to shake my shoulder one day. She was like, wake up, Terry. And I'm like, what? I was fast asleep with my super hardcore industrial earplugs. Hey, so there is there is a way to overcome that.
0: That's <laughs> very good advice. I like that. I yeah. like that. Do, do you have a favorite part of the Camino Frances?
1: Um. You mean like landscape-wise?
0: Well, yeah, somewhere somewhere that you just really love to walk.
1: Uh, I think I think Navarra was really nice. The, you know, it was different. La Rioja was, that yeah, between Navarra and La Rioja was really really good, and also um, into Galicia as well. So like walking into um Osebreiro.
0: What about a favorite albergue we talked about? loving to loving sleeping in albergues did you have a favorite
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so this year because i could do everything i wanted to and that meant sleeping in places that i wanted to sleep in as well i've actually come across a number of very special albergues that had a more you know spiritual slash like vegetarian vibe um so there's the albergue verde in hospital de orbigo which is um it's a bit of a detour. You have to go off route for a couple hundred meters, but it's super nice place with the people, and I think it's the people that make make uh, make it beautiful. Obviously, the place is nice, but um, you know, the vibe the vibe of the place is um, is definitely amazing. Uh, they do vegetarian meals for dinner, and it's all you know. We all eat as a community, so that's beautiful. There's also, you know, yoga classes and stuff, and puppies, and just,
0: it's,
1: it's super nice vibe. So <laughs> that that is was a This is super
0: nice vibe. <laughs> Vegetarian really meals. Cool. I there. <laughs> yoga and puppies. Did you? How long did you stay there? I stayed
1: for three nights.
0: Oh wow! Three nights. <laughs> um, did they make And you... then I stayed in. Yes. I was going to say sorry. Did they make you check out each day, or could you just stay there for three nights?
1: I just stayed for three nights.
0: Oh, how wonderful!
1: Um, it was so nice. It was really, really nice. It was definitely. I didn't want to leave. I was like, I could just end my camino here. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, but I had to go on later. I met some really nice people as well. It was beautiful. Um, I had to go on later, and then then I found one. Uh, a really nice place in Pieros. Which is ooh, I totally forget. It's I think it's a couple of kilometers after. No. Okay. I actually don't know where it is, but it's in a place called Pieros. Pieros. Um it's called La Pieros, yeah. P I E R O S. Hmm. It's a small albergue. Um (laughs) Well, <laughs> we say could remember the name. That's of okay. The that's time. okay.
0: I'm, I might, I might find it and and put it into the the comments after the uh, after when we load up the mm-hmm. podcast. Okay, so let, let's let's. It's clearly had a major impact on your life, and continues to have a major it impact has. on your life. If you're telling me that between 2016 and 2018 you thought about it every day, what advice would you give mm-hmm. to somebody thinking of walking the Camino, Terry? Just do it.
1: Book a flight, book a ticket, buy your shoes, buy good shoes and go. That's that's all that's all like, you know, because now I've had, you know, thinking about it every day between 2016 and 2018. That was it was a longing for for just doing it again. So I did. And now um, I don't really miss. I don't have that feeling anymore. I kind of got it out of my system, you know. Like, obviously, I'm already planning one for next year, but that's because I want to go to Portugal and I want to walk in Portugal. But it's not that like, you know, crazy, intense calling feeling that I had before, you know, severe case of the Camino Blues. So if you really want to go to the Camino, then just do it because your heart will thank you later.
0: That's you re- a great time. That's really interesting that you should say that. So because you walked the first time, 2016, you perhaps didn't do it on your own terms and you, you finished in, but it was calling you to go back on your own terms, go back as you, an individual, go back and do it the way you wanted to do it. And that was the calling. That's what it was, yes. And now you feel like you've kind of done it.
1: I feel like I have done it, but I feel like it wasn't my last time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and, and if, I'm very, very
0: privileged. Yeah. Yeah, go on.
1: Keep going. Um, I'm very privileged to have discovered the Camino at you know the right at the young age of of 25 or 24 because like there's people that I've met they just started when they're 60s and I'm like oh I have a whole lifetime to do Caminos now you know and it it is really going to like it's it the camino is is affecting my life every day like i sit down and talk to people that may be on the street and stuff like i'm still kind of a pilgrim but <laughs> you know um it is it 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 had a major impact on my life it did
0: definitely if it gave you one message to take with you what do you think it would be <sighs>
1: there's one message um The message to take with, with me is do everything with love and with truth.
0: That's pretty awesome answer. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's a fantastic answer.
1: That is actually, that is actually, um, I heard this from a guy on the Camino. He told me in Spanish, but it was one of the most profound things I've ever heard. And I remember it every day, every day. So that's, that is the answer. That I'm giving you, I'm passing it on.
0: <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. You know, you've been quite incre- incredible, Terry. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Dan. It's very early in the morning in the UK, and you've got up, had a cup of tea, and spent 45 minutes to have a chat with me. So <laughs> it's so lovely to hear your voice. It was. <laughs> I'm, I'm so Thank pleased you so that much our paths. for having me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's delightful because I'm so pleased that our paths crossed, and I suppose we both, though a certain amount of gratitude to our old friend Bill Bennett and and his intuition. Of course we do. (laughs) Yes. I know our paths. That is
1: one thing I was really grateful
0: for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Our paths will cross again. In the meantime, safe travels. I'm sure. Buen Camino. Thank you.
1: Buen Camino, Dan.
0: It was the American writer Frank Herbert Jr. who said, without new experiences, something inside us sleeps. The sleeper must awaken. Never truer than walking together or alone on the Camino de Santiago. My guest this week was the Canadian pilgrim, Terry Kaye, and I met Terry while filming the video for Somewhere Along the Way, the Camino Song. It was Bill Bennett and his lovely wife, Jennifer, who pointed out the pilgrim in distress, and Bill's intuition led us to cross paths, and our paths will continue to cross, I'm sure, forever. I had a note from a listener this week wanting to know how to subscribe and I had forgotten I had been some time since I sort of told you how to do all of that. So if you are new to the podcast and would like to subscribe, you just go to the podcast icon on your phone, click search and type in My Camino, the podcast, hit subscribe And you'll automatically receive the podcast each Tuesday night Australian time. So that's early Tuesday morning in the Northern Hemisphere. The podcast is on Spotify and iTunes as well. We're growing and reaching new audiences every week. And that is due to your support. Thank you again. I am most grateful. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. And it's always great to have your company. Buen Camino.